don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Hello and very welcome along to this week's The 42 Rugby Weekly ahead of round four of the Heineken Champions Cup. I'm joined in studio today by Bernard Jackman. How are you keeping Bernard? Good, thank you. Good. Murray Kinsler is uh, looking forward to a big double header of a weekend as well on, on his travels. Yeah, it's not too bad in terms of the UK. Sometimes you get those Midland trips and they're not too glamorous, but I'm off to London for Quinn's and Saracen's games. So yeah, looking forward to it. Chronological order is probably the best way to look at a, a weekend like this. Uh, Friday night brings us Harlequins and their return trip to Ulster which you're going with and uh, Ulster really banking on the form Irish player around at the minute in, in John Cooney I mean what way has he brought himself to this level What? how good is he right now yeah he's on fire really isn't he and it's all those big moments that seem to decide the games he seems to be embracing that he's a very um, diligent guy in terms of his mental prep I'd say I know he's kind of well read on that and he, he's looking for every little percentage he can get every little gain and he's producing those big plays and so much of their game run through him runs, runs through him I, I think he's probably the second highest kicker in, in play in the in the competition so far so that tells you a lot about where they kind of tactically base their game Billy Burns almost flits in and out more being that playmaker providing that cross field kick that he provides so well when that opportunity opens up but Cooney is very much the game manager um, and in terms of Ulster he's been excellent but it feels like they still haven't kind of found what they're looking for in terms of the performance and I know Dan McFarland again was quite critical of them we're all kind of lauding a, a, a dramatic last gasp win that took real uh, mental courage to kind of get over the line but he's looking at a performance where they almost let it slip at home against Quinn's team that they should have been able to put away a lot earlier than that so there's so much scope for them still to improve but when you've got guys like Cooney making huge plays it's it's mildly impressive for not only us watching on but also for someone like Andy Farrell who's going about picking his first squad for they're getting together on the 22nd 23rd of December for about 24 hours and listen Cooney's put himself massively in that frame I wonder what you think, Bert, in terms, yeah, of, well, in terms of that form, pecking order. Form nine. Yeah. He's the form nine for sure. Um, obviously, you've got Blade and uh, it's got ahead of Marmion. Um, you know, Leinster are chopping a little bit. Um, so Luke McGrath is not really, you know, he's not the standout first starter in Leinster. You couldn't say he's playing better than Cooney and Connor hasn't really, you know, had a, had a game where you go, wow, he's back to the, to the level he's at. And I think you mentioned Cooney. I think the great thing about Cooney is he does do a lot of Vulture's kicking but it doesn't seem to slow the game down as much as other nines like he he gets his box kick routine going pretty quickly he doesn't really get blocked down um, it's very accurate um, and he just as you say he he just seems to exude conf- confidence you know and uh, there was no doubt he was going to like when he, once he got a penalty you were pretty sure he was going to nail it because he's done that consistently for them and I think that's a huge help and from Dan McParland's point of view obviously he'd be trying to find, he'd be trying to make sure the performances are better but they've won three tight games which is is pretty good you know um, now if not against vintage opposition like Bath and Harlequins aren't the litmus test for for a team who wants to, wants to win Europe beating scraping past them wouldn't you know doesn't say that you're a contender um, and the quality of the overall premiership teams probably leaves a little bit of desire as we'll probably talk about when we get on to Northampton but Dan would be very happy but he will know that they probably need to pick up a, li- a little bit more this weekend and um, to get a win away from home which I think is crucial for them really because they're not they're not getting bonus point wins so um, I think this is a big test for them I'd imagine it, psychologically it's going to play perfectly into Dan's hand in that they've got the win but yet there's still so much 
to work on in terms of improvement. And uh, but yeah, for for sure, Cooney, Cooney's starter on form. Cooney starts for Ireland. Now we know that that's not a given. There's more to it. Yeah, there's more to it than that. But uh, on form, um, and you have to admire the way he's knuckled down and 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 bounced back from from disappointment to become even better. And that's kind of what you want in a in a in a player. So uh, massive credit to him. Yeah, it's such a continuous kind of rise of improvement as well. Adding on little bits to his game all the time. He didn't really used to to do that kind of scoot before when he was younger. It was wasn't really natural part of his game but now you see him he's always looking for that opportunity off the malls down the blind side he's timing it really well often hitting the kind of forward runners off him and he's added that next layer to his his kind of armory defensively as well he seems to be making really good tackles when he has to sweep up from behind from deep and that's obviously a massive part of as well and probably with Conor Murray something that has been kind of almost taken for granted really Luke McGrath is also a brilliant defender but it's really interesting how quickly that dynamic has changed and how you've got this pool of players now who seem like they're almost on an equal footing obviously you mentioned Gibson Park he's qualified now and obviously was was impressive last weekend as well and offers something different maybe a bit more tempo to his game and really good support running lines as, as you saw against Northampton so I think it's a really interesting battle and I would also say that obviously don't discount Conor Murray because like we know how, how good he's been for a long time and it's almost we expect so much from him we expect it to be a dominant world class performance every weekend I actually think he's playing pretty well and, and now his passing is a bit more consistent he's obviously defending well and his kicking game is, is consistent as well it's just probably not as glamorous as Cooney at the moment and the temptation is probably always to go for that one who's making those those big plays and, yeah. and deservedly so yeah I, I did a bit of analysis on, uh, on Cooney post Scarlets which is two weeks ago and um his the amount of scanning when he actually just cut up his clips the amount of scanning he does before he gets to the breakdown is is phenomenal I mean I remember doing something on Aaron Smith a couple of years ago for some young nines in the Dragons and again his ability to actually see the picture and I don't know if you remember but the try he got against Scarlets where um, they went wide um, Balakoon got tackled just before the line and uh, the Scarlets winger just has a little go to counter hook you know but and he tries to get back out but Cooney spots that and he barges over and it's just it's just that ability you know he goes down that alley it's a dead end he gets shoved in the touch there it's it's a it's a huge error on his part, but he just seems to be able to spot um, very very quickly where the weakness is. And as you mentioned, that that scoot, that out, outward scoot away from the breakdown, and just just trying to find little gaps in the defensive line is something that he's added to his game. Um, and yeah, and, and and also the fact that he's a goal kicker means he stands out to us when he's kicking kicking uh, last minute kicks. But honestly, his all round game is is laying down a, a marker to the other nines. And for sure, Connor's not playing badly. It's just you know there's a there's someone putting up to him at the moment. Yeah, it's a good selection headache to have. For, for Andy Farrell even picking his three maybe for the squad one other guy just to add I'm looking forward to seeing in live is, is Alex Dombrandt for, for Quinns he was obviously very impressive again last weekend and he's just he's just got that X factor I think they call him the Dominator which is a great nickname but he looks like a, a super player doesn't yeah, he yeah he's one that got away on me I tried to sign him in the Dragons so I don't know if you know his story so he's Cardiff um, Cardiff Met so he's playing in the Books League which is University of Rugby on a, on a Tuesday Wednesday night and I was actually getting televised on I think on Free Sport was showing some of it and uh, as I was living on my own in, in Newport and family were here I was watching basically free sport on a Tuesday <laughs> night and I see this fella absolutely cause mayhem um, massively overweight uh, playing five or, or, or eight but just his moments were ridiculous and he'd been in Wales for, for three years so he actually qualified for Wales um, and the Welsh I highlighted him to the Welsh under 20s uh, he was eligible to play for Welsh under 20s they had a look at him and he wasn't getting picked for England under 20s um, but in fairness to him he said look I'm doing my finals we offered him a contract actually to be honest we offered him a contract he said oh, I'm doing my finals and uh, I probably want to go back and try and have a cut in the premiership now Given that he hadn't played, in, hadn't been in the academy, he was playing books rugby, which is university rugby. Like the likelihood of him getting a, uh, a contract in the Premiership was was pretty small. He didn't even have an agent. But in fairness to him, he backed himself. He said, "I'm going to join my student rugby, 
and when I finished my degree I'll, I'll have a cut off it and uh, John Kingston anyway he got a highlights video made up um, from his Cardiff Met stuff I had a look at that as well and uh, I think John Kingston actually kind of said look at we want to have a look at you when you finish and uh, now he's in Quinns and he's getting fitter he's still not fit really no. compared to the modern athlete but wow in terms of power and and uh, as I said big moments he, he's exciting to watch yeah it, lo- it looks like he doesn't take it too seriously either. Sure. and you hope he doesn't lose that role no. it's, it's a joy yeah, he's watch. one of those ones that maybe like his body fat goes down he doesn't get any better you know what I mean he's just yeah it's like Dean Richards or he's just very comfortable doing what he does and uh, he's a real old school attitude about him he's effective like I watched him against uh, Gloucester the week before and uh, he was man to match like he he is he's exciting and he's he's someone else would have to put tabs on with the name from Don Brandt and, and with the uh, what, what we've seen from the first leg of this uh, two-legged fixture do also have to up their game massively to lay a platform I suppose for Cooney to drive on yeah they have to get better but Quinns aren't that good at the moment Quinns are a little bit lost in between how they want to play and um, obviously they've just had a new forwards coach come in um, you know a couple of weeks ago so Quinns will get there I think Gustard will do a good job but um, it's very much a rebuilding process at the moment so Quinns are fine they're dangerous you know they want to throw it around a little bit but you know Ulster should be able to go there and, and, and get a win and have learned from, from last weekend I think so that's uh, we've picked a nine for Ireland starting yeah. in the Six Nations uh, a lot of uh, people in our WhatsApp group the 42 members WhatsApp group are keen to pick the other half of the, the halfbacks uh, Jangles Kaplan and, and Ian in our WhatsApp group all um, looking to figure out where the dominoes fall really if uh, if Johnny Sexton is out for the Six Nations and uh that also has implications for captaincy as well. Yeah, I guess this is an interesting one in, in light of looking ahead to Connacht's match uh, against Gloucester a weekend on mm-hmm. from Jack Carty probably not having his best game and Andy Friend being very upfront and honest about where he is with his form post-World Cup, something we talked about in the members pod on, on Monday. Um, it is a fascinating one. First of all, I guess we we got to say that I think Johnny Sexton is... is pretty confident he's going to be back and fit as he always is he's he's very resilient when he gets injured he's very determined obviously to get back as quickly as possible particularly with that captaincy on the line I guess to start with the end of it I, I think Johnny Sexton presuming his rehab goes well is going to be fit and I think he'll be the captain for Ireland at the start of Six Nations obviously the other two prime candidates James Ryan is still 23 he's still learning at this level he hasn't captained Leinster yet you're putting a lot of pressure on him and what if it doesn't go well in those first couple of games under Andy Farrell there's going to be immediate pressure and, and while everything Thinks it's a great idea now. I can imagine there being a bit of a backlash against, you know, why did this young guy get the captaincy? That could be damaging for him. Not to look at it in that negative light, because it could also obviously accelerate his leadership potential. But I think you can you can guide that process on a little bit more um, without putting the the whole burden of it on top of him. Then Peter Manny is the other candidate. He was a vice captain under Rory Best up until recently enough. But like I think the back row in terms of selection isn't nailed on in, in that regard at all. We don't know what Andy Farrell is going to be looking from his six. Obviously Peter Manny gives you an exceptional line out. Ability. I know he's actually trying to work pretty hard in his ball carrying at the moment. Johan van Graan mentioned it, but Farrell may be looking for someone like Reese Ruddock to provide a bit more of that physical impact. So I think in terms of how Johnny Sexton is playing, he's a he's a shoe in for the for the ten jersey. In, in my eyes, he's been brilliant since the World Cup. He looks really positive, and also the way he's speaking to referees is is really excellent. He feels probably like he's he's auditioning for that role, and he's been really um, polite in his feedback. And yeah, thanks, sir. I'll go back to the lads and tell them that one really good decision, and he's dealt with it really well, as well as probably putting the, the discipline of the World Cup behind him so that's that's how I see it if he's not if he's not available then I think again it's very open in terms of the 10s Jack Hardy's form has obviously regressed Ross Byrne I think has been so impressive since his disappointment for for in terms of not making the, the World Cup squad obviously JJ Hannon's back in the mix but probably post, most importantly of all Joey Carberry is going to be fit 
end of December you're looking at that 28 December game against Leinster most likely um, and so even if Johnny Sexton isn't fit it looks like Harbury's timed his run perfectly Yeah I, I think Johnny should be captain to be honest I think uh, it's so interesting watching him uh, it was so interesting watching him communicate with Alexander Rui at the weekend I mean it was like he was courting him you know uh, <laughs> no, but he was just so polite and it was I, I, you could see the referee kind of going what was this this is so unusual, you know what I mean? But it was really, it was really smart, and uh, he's obviously really comfortable back playing with Leinster. Um, he looks in great form. Personally, he's playing in a, in a brilliant team who are, seem to be getting in position very quickly. To and Johnny likes to have people around him in in the right spot, and then he'll make the, the right call. And um, it's it, it's unfortunate he got that injury because he, he bounced back brilliantly from Japan and looked in, in in really good health. I'd imagine he will come back, and, and I'd, I agree, I think he'll be captain. And if even if he's late coming back, and Joey comes back and hits the type of form that we know he's capable of, then you know there's not as much pressure to play Johnny the first game. Um, but ideally you know I think ideally he gets back and gets a game or two or one game at least before the, the Six Nations we don't want to see him going to Six Nations under pressure for game time carrying knocks that's kind of what got us into trouble in the World Cup a little bit so yeah. he just like to have someone like Joey back on form and Farrell can, can let him and Ross Byrne or him and Carthy look after it until Johnny's 100% right because obviously you know there's not just the Six Nations the start of Six Nations it's the whole competition plus you know Leinster are going to be there thereabouts in the knockout stage of Europe and then there's a summer tour etc so you just want to keep him you know fit and, and um, make sure he's operating at 100% yeah I think the the thing with if it is Carthy and Byrne even say if Carberry's delay is returned or there's complications I think Farrell will have a bit of, good bit of confidence in them obviously they haven't obviously Byrne particular hasn't had as much exposure but both of them are showing that ability to lead a game plan I think they both flourish with a bit of backing especially Byrne he looks he looks like a fired up player he's taken ownership of that Leinster group when Johnny Sexton's not on the pitch you can see him giving that bit of leadership the direction to older players really comfortable with his own skin understanding what he does well and that he doesn't have to be like every other out half obviously Carty's going through a little bit of a rough patch but he still has such quality in terms of what he can do and again in a different style his attacking kicking is something I know that you're a big fan of Bernard yeah. um, and he can bring that to the mix as well so again there's a nice pool of players there and maybe that's a bit of a legacy from Joe Schmidt he got Carty and Byrne involved albeit at a late stage um, and so they have a bit of experience in that environment Just the way things have worked out with Johnny getting getting this injury and with there being a slight question mark we don't know the, the ins and outs mm. of, of the exact timeline of the recovery would it be beneficial just to say someone else is the captain for, for this Six Nations even if he's your captain going forward to the summer and Six Nations after that just to there's al- already enough pressure on Johnny and Everton goes through him. Yeah, no, I think it'd be good to have your your Ireland captain and if Johnny misses a game or two, you know, he's still very much the captain. I think for for Farrell, it's really important he has a, as a lieutenant that he has absolute faith in and, and they've got a really strong relationship, particularly when you, when you look back on what came out last week about, you know, um, I think one of the, if that was true, if there wasn't that kind of uh, flow of communication up and down from, from coaches to players, um, well, that's one of the things that Farrell needs to, to fix and I think chopping and changing captain um, you know won't really help that I think it's really important the squad know who the captain is you know for the next block of, of a year or two years um, and if so, if if that captain then is out with injury or form well if someone steps up and becomes the matchday squad captain but um, I, I just think it'd be better to clarify who the captain is who the leadership group are and just get on with them I suppose to uh, we use Jack Carty as a wee bit of a jumping off point for, for this Ireland 10 chat but how do Connacht go about rest rescuing their their European campaign from here is Jack Carty even the starter they turn to this again uh, I don't know I suppose how Andy Friend feels he, he bounces back I mean um, I can see why they picked him last weekend um, I think their, their campaign is 
unlikely to they're not unlikely to get out of the group now but obviously they'll want to go and finish with as many wins as possible um yeah, it's a hard, it's a big it's a big call, but it'll be very much I think based on on how that review goes in terms of Jack's moments and and what he saw and and, and his execution etc. Um, you know he he is a talented player and he just in fairness to him he hasn't that much game time either. So you know to expect him to come in there and, and be at hundred um, percent was probably asking asking a lot. Um, you know they their discipline let them down. It wasn't all on Jack Carty's. Uh, shoulders that they lost the game but I think for Connacht's point of view long term the rest of the season um, you want to just see him be rehabilitated and, and get some game time get his confidence back because he has and doesn't mean he has to start every game but um, I think leaving him out this week you know might be uh, might be less beneficial than mm. the short termism of, of, of the game Paul Boyle was another one that that was, I was uh, say, yeah. who showed Andy Friend's uh, vicious streak I suppose we don't see see it outwardly but he, he definitely was uh, he's speaking openly Paul Boyle this week about how he was dropped and how mistakes in the Southern Kings game came back to, to cost him a place in that travelling squad yeah I thought it was really fascinating insight and it shows that Friend is trying to build that extreme level of accountability and that you're you know your basic error against someone like the Southern Kings which maybe in the past we would have been like oh you know that's not as important a game that that is important and I think there's probably going to be longer term lessons a bit of short term pain where maybe you think oh he could have just played ball ball back to him because he does give he does give those young players confidence he's given a lot of them opportunities but he's also trying to instill that non-acceptance of, of basic errors and, and minor errors in what seem like smaller games so I think that's a good thing for Connacht as they try and develop over, over the next couple of years um, but yeah it's a t- it's a tough one for players like Boyle who are who are learning. Um, it, this is a this is a basically winner. You're definitely completely out of it for mm-hmm. for Connacht. Really interesting to see again. Like we spoke about team news last week, how Gloucester decide to to travel over. You'd imagine they leave some guys at home, and potentially that will help Connacht's cause. Um, listen, there was there, there was load of frustrations in last weekend's performance, but again, there's little signs of what they can do. I think the way they conceded some of the tries will be really disappointing to them. But even Carty is offload for for mm-hmm. the try was exceptional. And John Porch at fullback, I thought had a good game. A guy who was really unheralded when he came over. I think he only played shoot shield in terms of yeah. club rugby. That was the highest level he'd been to. But obviously, Aussie sevens and and friend knew him very well from there. Friend said afterwards it was his first time a fullback in four years. So yeah, yeah, did pretty well. Really impressive. That. Even some of the reads he made and obviously had that interception. He's clearly got gas and, and evasiveness as well. So he's he looks like another good signing at Australia. In fairness, friend has got a, a couple of good ones. Fengo, obviously the prime example of that. Unfortunately, now he's missing, which is a, a really big blow to him. Such an important player who ties it all together for them. But yeah. Yeah, unless they can win big in this fixture, that that's essentially it over for them in Europe. You mentioned uh, the importance of Gloucester's team selection there. Uh, week by week, we're looking at Saracens and what sort of shape they'll take. Bernard, the the second stringers, the sent to Toman Park, pretty much um, almost got parity. Yeah, a, a very a tight job score. In I think the weather. You know, we spoke last week about how Munster would be so interested to see how Munster try and get around that, that rush defence, but once it started the rain and and the wind came, that was that was impossible. So we don't know. They would have had to tailor the game plan, you know, um, to be much more direct and and conservative. Um, going over there you know Saracen would be I think delighted with the, with the losing bonus point and, and to stop Munster getting point the draw against Racing is going to hang over Munster a little bit unless they can get a, a win this weekend uh, and Saracens see that and you know the, um, the teams like Saracens who are used to being in the knockout stages of, of Europe they, they watch everything they watch what's going on in other groups etc so Mar McCall will, will have you know a really good idea about what's going to be required to, to get through and, and you know it might be 18 points might get them through and, and they're well capable of, of getting that and I think they're good enough to get 19 
to be honest um, so I, I think they'll go full metal jacket even if it's not for this competition it's just to have um, a bit of consistency and cohesion for next week um, back to back to the premiership and uh, I think it's a big big task for, for Munster I think you know obviously Munster can do it they, they'll rise to the challenge etc but I think Saracen's at home and they still have something there's something to get out of this competition you know um, I, I think it's a big mistake letting them get a bonus I obviously didn't intend it but letting them get that point changes the whole perception for them mm. yeah definitely I think Munster are in trouble and it's such a shame to say that and it's so weird to say it in Europe after two home games in particular where they're, they're usually in, in such good nick it's usually maybe an away game that that troubles them but it's going to be a really tough tough ask the interesting thing was in this game like the weather absolutely ruined it like it was horrific down there it was so heavy the rain the wind was sheen down in the first half they had a lot of possession and they actually did look good with their attack like the try is a really good example of probably what they're trying to do they play out to the right touchline come in field and they do that it's like a habit now really back straight back into the, the short side with their backs Hanron gets the ball to width and Haley makes about 10 metres they play across to the kind of left hand post and then they do beat them on the edge Scannell with a couple, he had a couple of skip passes but a lovely pass across the face of the wing Earls goes down and then even the finish I thought was really good because it looks like you know a man he's just boshing over but if you have a look back Tyburn runs a line inside him draws two defenders and therefore gives O'Mahony that one-on-one on the inside shoulder of Brad Barrett thought it was an absolute excellent team try and the disappointment for them was that they didn't do more of that in the first half there were there were several missed opportunities obviously the, the try chalked off for, for Scannell there was the one where Archer knocked on close to the try line I know Johan van Gran is really pissed off about it he feels, feels that Atoje slapped the ball out of his hands but it goes down as a missed opportunity after what was good support play I think Conway went down the right hand yeah. side that time and Scannell was on the inside again that's one thing they're doing better is that upfield running after their pass it's really noticeable that they're getting up ahead of the ball providing a bit of inside support and those signs were so promising but then the rain came in and it was it was hard to do anything but I agree it was it, it was the frustration of not having done more with what was a good start to the game a good first half and load of possession they've had more possession than anyone in the Champions Cup and the final product's just not quite there yeah like for me 13-3 is, a, is, a, is an okay is a better result it's, it's crazy yeah like I, I didn't expect Munster to go and get a bonus point because it's so hard to break Saracen's down um, yeah, the only time I've seen him being ripped apart properly was obviously racing away and, and that was that that team's probably first time together and it was in a week of turmoil etc but they've settled down now Saracen so old Munster teams went down and got a penalty and just mm. you know just don't give Saracens anything and that's that, that's maybe the frustrating now it wasn't easy but even again at the end just that little error for, to give them a chance to maybe get a draw you know that's the kind of stuff that seems small moments now but after round six when you add up all the points it could be the you know it could be the moment where you go well that's where our, our, our qualification dreams you know fell true so I think once you can go to Racing easier and win than maybe go to Saracens this week yeah it's really tough interesting the way Johan van Graan spoke this week as well you could get a sense of his frustration he said we've only had the Ireland internationals back four weeks they've been away for one of those weeks our coaches are just still new in and you almost think in the back of his mind is he thinking ahead to next year when we're settled in we've got Dialende and Snyman there we've got a full pre-season with, with the players you just wonder if that's almost in the back of their minds as well and it kind of feels that way already in this pool stage that they're really uh, backs against the wall one other thing I wanted to ask you about was Will Skelton's ball carrying I don't know if you noticed this but <laughs> looking back through the game five or six times when he carried the ball he need the tackler yeah quite it looked to me like it was almost in his head like you, you can't say you don't accuse someone no. of kneeing someone deliberately but I guess it just points to a, a, like everyone's trying to tackle lower but if this if this guy this big huge unit is coming at you with a really high knee it makes it even more dangerous it's just that's why he actually is such a hard man to stop because he's very uh, he's very good at using that leg drive as a weapon uh, and that sounds 
Mm. It sounds ridiculous. But that, that is a style of running. Like he doesn't have, have short steps and then raise a knee as he gets into contact. He, he runs like that. And also he's very good at throwing a hip into... He, he uses hip and his size and power against you. So effectively, you could be going low um, and you you know targeting a quad or a knee or a quad or a knee, and at the last moment, then he just swings that hip in and he bumps people. So if you look at his carries, they generally are. He, he's not that quick, really, but he it's just a big weight hits somebody and they bounce back and he trundles on another couple of a couple of meters rather than explodes. You know again. Mm. Um, so that's just, that's a feature of his of it, of his game. Is it illegal? I think he's. I don't think. Yeah, he'll it'd be very rare, unlucky to get picked up on that from his point of view you know and he hasn't been yeah. picked up I've never seen him picked up on it and I haven't seen and I've seen him carry like that for a long time so the reality is you got to go ankles around him and the second man target, target the ball he, he's actually his ball protection isn't that good you can, you can get strips on him quite easily because generally his, his upper body is free because everyone goes two teams or they generally double team low um, and he's able to stand up in the tackle for a second but uh, I think that's an area of his game that Saracen have definitely worked on he's getting better but he's still there's still turnovers to be got from from you know attacking the ball yeah um, didn't one of the two Alagis get done for oh, leading with the knee he, he like the ones that get done is where there's a, bit, there's, a, there's a significant change in your running style yeah I think in fairness to, to Skelton it's not that obvious yet like um, and refs are going to uh, TMOs etc yeah it, it, it actually depends on the outcomes Sometimes you know if someone goes down and gets a knee in the head, then they look at it. But if he's just basically boshing people, they generally try to play on. Just yeah. by the nature of officials, it's probably referees are so they're looking for they're, they're looking contact. at tackles and yeah, 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 and they're happy to develop the tacklers going low. Yeah, it, it, the focus isn't on the tackler going low. They're delighted with that. So, but obviously, if if the ball carrier then is is being illegal with his with his knee action, that's that's another consequence of that. But um, it's probably something that hasn't cause any injuries yet so they're not really looking at it yeah a point probably worth, worth dwelling on given that uh, monster ball carrier was, was sent off yeah. and um, and been banned, ban- for, three banned for three weeks mm-hmm. yeah, in, in Aranobota uh, Ono Sullivan on Munster asks uh, why are they still using Rory Scannell as a crash ball 12 even during the, the Larkham revolution is that an unfair criticism yeah I think he's he's played quite a bit we just mentioned a couple of his passes mm-hmm. and he's, he's kicked while they've used his left boot he does still carry but I think any 12 in the world carries and has to carry hard you, you, you've got to get that gain line early on or everything else is a little bit more difficult um, I think Scannell's actually worked really hard on that I did an interview with him last week and that was the one thing that Joe Schmidt always fed back to him <laughs> which is a little bit unfair he kind of was almost like these lads are all really big Chris Farrell Robbie Henshaw are big massive guys who can carry over the gain line obviously Gary Ringrose does it in a different way but that was one of the things that Schmidt asked him to do and I actually think he, he does it pretty well now he's pretty robust in that carry um, and I don't think they're overly doing it I mean offset piece you use one of your centres to, to carry often it's Chris Farrell because he's that big unit but they cleverly use him as a decoy very often as well and I think we're seeing a bit more of Rory Scannell's playmaking because he's always had that but you never really they never really utilised it all that much the, the passing kicking um, and he's certainly enjoying that side of it as well loving working with Larkham and, and taking a bit of responsibility off the tens by organising a bit more so um, yeah he's always going to have to carry it like any 12 Three provinces down I suppose because we're so Len- biased against Leinster in here. Let's t- take a tour <laughs> away from from the provinces for a wee minute. Uh, Keen Highland in, in the WhatsApp group um, is asking about Ron Rogaro's La Rochelle and uh, how they're faring in Europe. We've bit of struggles, obviously. Glasgow Warriors are nobody's uh, easy ticket. But uh, have you watched much of them? Bernard? Yeah, I've watched a good bit of them, obviously. But I, I I don't think La Rochelle were never. I know people were getting hyped up about 
La Rochelle and, and obviously people are looking at him now because Roger's there and, and John O'Gibbs and they did play some great stuff over the last couple of years but were they ever going to be contenders for Europe? No, you know and, and I think what we're seeing is you know the, the areas that Roger and, and, and John are going to have to um, improve them in terms of that ability to be disciplined um, to be more ruthless to work harder and, and consistent you know and, and th- th- it won't be a, they'll obviously be disappointed they lost the home to Glasgow but realistically they were probably never going to you know go anywhere in Europe this year I think the top 14 for for clubs like Leon and La Rochelle is the is the golden goose and and they'll want to you know become regular top six in that try and win one before they even start to think about Europe and it's it's so alien for for Irish people to try and understand that mentality but that's just the way it is and it's ingrained in them that you kind of have to you have to have a massive squad you have to have won a top fourteen or or as I said be be top six for four or five years before you even think about really focusing on Europe and even though it would be very much in Jono and Roger's DNA that's irrelevant if if 70% of the squad um, are more motiv- motivated by, by top 14 so um, I, I think they're, they're doing fine you know um, it'll just take them a, it'll take them a year or two to get them playing the the type of rugby they want and getting the right you know culture off behind the scenes. I think they're where they're they're, they're where they were always going to be, um, and they got to get through this to to get better. Yeah, stop giving away as many penalties yeah. too as well. Yeah, that'll, that'll that'll kill them, but like that's the learning process as yeah. well, you know. And and they're obviously playing against teams like Glasgow, and, and Glasgow aren't a vintage Glasgow side, but they do play high tempo, um, they do high ball and play time, um, they have a decent attack, and you know if if La Rochelle aren't as fit as they need to be, then they they make uh, errors under fatigue their discipline cracks under fatigue whereas in a normal top 14 game they can control the tempo a little bit more so they're just getting stretched in Europe to a higher level than they are in the in the top 14 on a weekly basis and that's why their discipline cracks you know yeah. what I mean it, it, it cracks it more so than it would in the top 14 game so that's just all part of it they've got a very good SNC coach um, he's ex-Leinster was in Grenoble um, and it'll just take time it'll just take time yeah because the interesting thing I was looking at stats and it was surprising me that it was actually a French team who have conceded the fewest penalties in Racing 92. Probably one of the reasons why they are competitors now is they've figured out those bits they're fit enough and they're yeah. disciplined enough. Yeah, and they've learned that and they're full of international players. Like yeah. La Rochelle aren't, they've got some good players but they're not guys who are used to playing in Six Nations or World Cups. Whereas Racing players, the majority of them have they've been to a World Cup with their country or, or, uh, or they've played Six Nations. So they're used to that level of high pressure uh, intensity and mentally, they they can stay in the stay focused. Whereas people, teams like La Rochelle or or, or Leon, even to a certain extent, they haven't been there before, and, and that's that's just part of the the process you got to go through. That Leinster, Munster, Ulster have gone through. On a big week for appointments down under, Scott Wisemantle this morning was installed as the Australia attack coach. Is that his title? And uh, New Zealand obviously appointed Ian Foster a little earlier in the week. In back in our um, WhatsApp group, Robin Dempsey's asking, is Foster's two year contract a lack of faith or do they possibly have another coach in mind who is not currently available and Robin continues cough cough Warren Gatland cough <laughs> or maybe Joe Schmidt <laughs> you never know um, yeah I was kind of surprised that it wasn't a longer contract and, and I, I wonder if Foster was <laughs> appealing for a little bit longer but I guess it kind of points to the fact that everyone's moving away from their four, four year cycle kind of mentality now and understanding that everything changes so quickly he has a really tough task in the next couple of years because there's sabbaticals there's that inevitable change of, of, of the guard after any World Cup um, and also the fact that he has to show and, he, and the way he spoke when he was when he was kind of c- confirmed his first press conference was about 
changing the perceptions around him that it's not just a continuation of what has gone before he wants to put his own stamp on it so it's actually quite a, a quite a pressurised job it was interesting to see the way it panned out with just himself and Razor Robertson left in the mix where you, where you thought okay, everyone's going to be going for this job and they're going to have to pick from their 26 identified candidates it didn't quite work out that way for them again pointing to how difficult a job it is probably um, and you got to be at the right stage of your career L- loads of other guys took different opportunities rather than banking everything on the All Blacks um, so yeah I think I think it's probably recognition by the New Zealand Rugby Union that things change in the game so quickly now and, and maybe planning all the way through to the next World Cup isn't the way to go about it because th- you know in two years time that, that whole team might have to rotate and, and a better coach might be better suited to that Mm. And you can see a, a, a scenario where two two years even less to go to the World Cup if Warren Gatlin's available, some someone of his ilk that he, he's you know coaches are, are better suited to, to short term projects now and and yeah I probably put I, I think it's probably fair I think if the All Blacks had won the World Cup it's different maybe he gets four years but obviously there's pressure the fact that um, Razor Robertson is is doing so well you know there was momentum behind him so they probably felt. You know, okay, the back Foster, but to give him four years would be a bit of a snub for for the other coaches. Even Jamie Joseph is probably going to be available again in two years. I'm not sure how long he signed for Japan. I'm not sure if he signed for another four year cycle. Um, so Joe could be back on on the table. Gats could be there. So I think it's smart. And for Foster, it's a chance to coach the All Blacks. He's, he's you know he's been part of the backroom staff, but this is his, his big chance. And unless it's a Gatland and Eddie Jones. Steve Hansen you probably go what's it you know who you kind of know are going to get the job done uh, uh, Joe Schmidt why do you why do you give them four years you know there's so much can happen in, in those four years um, his back I think the biggest thing about this wasn't it wasn't really Scott Robertson against Foster it was uh, both their backroom teams and that's interesting I think um, you know the All Blacks haven't announced who Foster's backroom team is I think Fiki could be part Greg Fiki is part of it uh, John Plumtree um, Scott McLeod and, and David Hill but you know, Razor, Razor was trying to get Tony Brown on his ticket. Uh, Foster was trying to get Tony Brown on his ticket. Jamie had fo- Tony Brown on his ticket. And eventually, in fairness to Tony Brown, he just said, look, at, you know, I, I, I'm flattered, but I'm sticking with Jamie. I'm, I'm only going to go on one ticket, which would have been hard because obviously he was pretty much guaranteed to be the All Blacks attack coach because yeah. effectively he was on the ticket for the three uh, prime candidates. But Jamie and him have gone back a long way and he, he basically withdrew, which probably weakened, you know, maybe uh, Razor's um, case a little bit. So, these guys have been out there trying to not just sell themselves on the interview panel but put an overall team together mm-hmm. and obviously Foster has that intellectual property from being with the All Blacks over the last period so he knows a lot of the good things they've done and now he's bringing in you know if he gets Fiki and Plumtree you've got guys who've got experience in Europe as well which is um, which is huge so and obviously Plumtree's you know coached the Sharks so uh, and he knows the, the Hurricanes very well but uh, yeah it's, it's fascinating and what a high pressurised job mm. being coached the All Backs now coming out of Disappointment World Cup um, the level of scrutiny would be phenomenal and not as well paid to be honest the, uh, maybe the head coach is well paid but a lot of those assistant coaches I've mentioned they could get far more financially in, uh, in Europe or in, in, in Japan but um, obviously the chance to be involved in their in coaching their national team is, is, is too hard to turn down Tony Brown keeps going up in my estimation a guy who loves having a beer after a match great backline moves brilliant attack philosophy I wonder what would happen if he'd gone to Leinster that time back in what, yeah. 2015 yeah. he's a, an enigmatic uh, character yeah. great to see the loyalty isn't, isn't yeah. dead after all um, taking us back to the provinces then last and uh, by a long way not the least of uh, of the prospects Leinster uh, take on the Northampton Saints again this time at the Aviva Stadium and after nine games in a row that they won 
they finally clicked last Saturday. Yeah, and it was awesome when they did. Really, really spectacularly good performance. Very complete, like very physically dominant, but also with the creative elements and, and making line breaks through the back line, offloading. You saw Robbie Henshaw getting his hands free. It was really, really enjoyable performance to watch. The things that stood out to me actually were the less glamorous parts and they continually do for Leinster. They can continually have for Saracens. They're the best at doing all the stuff that probably doesn't take as much of that kind of attacking talent. So their defence is, is just been really brilliant over the last while and you can see how much they're enjoying it I, I heard Devin Toner who's on the rugby pod this week actually and talking about how Stuart Lancaster has focused primarily on the mindset around the defence and you can just see it in every single set guys working so hard to be back on their feet as many bodies in the line no bodies wasted lying there after they make a tackle and the sheer enthusiasm and exuberation when they when they get a, a kind of positive outcome from the defensive set that turnover forced them into touch forced an error they're loving that and celebrating it almost even more than they celebrate the tries now which is which is really telling and then the other thing for me is in their attack is how hard they work off the ball um, I think it was Charlie Morgan and the Telegraph picked out a really good example of the two props Porter and Keane Healy tracking back on a line break being in position to just about prevent a try they scrambled really well but even the props are doing that in attack as well. You see Keen Healy at one stage after one of the, the Henshaw offloads absolutely burning up the middle of the pitch having come from, mm. from a, a ruck two rucks ago um, and working so hard. He doesn't get the ball but those little bits of detail it means they have options every single time. It means that when they get in behind even if they don't finish it on that break they're going to get into their, their really powerful phase play and then the fitness over the course of those long passages even when it's just a grind, grind, grind it's superior to anyone and certainly Northampton they couldn't really live with it could they? I think they were shocked. I mean, the first half they competed really well, um, but just got worn down. And, and they hear Chris Boyd afterwards talking about the yeah. difference. Uh, like, and now we, you know, we kind of highlighted last last week that there's a huge difference between Premiership and the elite in Europe. And the only Saracens have really managed to be able to bridge that gap. And and it happens every year. And everyone falls into the trap of of believing the hype and 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 over, I suppose, respecting you know uh, these English teams. And then when it comes to the crunch, and you get a you know a proper established European power on their game, it's just so hard for them to make that step up. And that's not that they won't get there. They they will. It's kind of like the the you know, La Rochelle example. Um, you know, Northampton will have to will have to adapt and learn how hard Europe is you know when you come up against a, 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 a team like Leinster and um, you know they'll, they'll be better this week I think you know for sure um, but they just when Leinster found uh, areas of weaknesses they were so clinical and suddenly the game was gone from Saints you know it was gone very quickly mm-hmm. they built a score up you know so quickly and then didn't give them any any soft entries back into the game and you know you can imagine how demoralised Saints were afterwards to lose in their home patch um, and to be a little bit further along you know uh, the project Chris Boyd's second season to be flying in the English Premiership and and then just to have that reality check um, was huge and um, their response this week would be would be massive you know um, and and, uh, and Leinster's ability to go on again and, and, and kind of you know hammer them again are they going to be able to um, it's going to be you know really exciting to watch but uh, not having to be fine they'll, they'll get there it's just they're exposed a little bit yeah. the best thing about Leinster as well is they're competing against themselves yeah. in a way that maybe Saracens are the only other team but I don't think it's even at quite that level like Scott Hardy was on the bench like yeah. he's an exceptional player would start for anyone every single position we don't need to go through it again but there's real competitiveness Tyke Furlong coming off the bench looking so fired up because yeah. Andrew Porter he's, he's putting well. heat on him now for Ireland yeah. and he understands that and, and that's the competitiveness so this week not that it's an easy motivate for the coaches but it's that it's that narrative we need to get better beat each other in training beat each other when we're on the pitch as well as dismantling the opposition so it's a really exciting place to be and in that in that second row, a big reason why they didn't give 
give Northampton those easy access points that you mentioned Bernard were two big steals from, from Devon Toner in the first half I mean the form he's shown in World Cup year having not travelled with Ireland uh, what have you made of him and, yeah and I think it, he's reacted really well to be honest and um, he hasn't sulked he's just got on with it and it's probably one of the most high profile droppings that I've I've seen maybe Drico Drico getting dropped for the for the lines because yeah. you know but the amount of people talking about Devon Toner and should he be in should he be out and I suppose it'd be easy to feel sorry for himself but he's he's gone back in he's you know he he's, he's played some maybe unglamorous Pro 14 games and and just gone on with it and now he looks match fit he, you know he looks dynamic more athletic and the reality is if he if he's not performing Leo and, and Stuart won't pick him so um, it's a testament to him that he's actually getting picked every week that he's performing because they have so much choice and, and uh, it's great to see it's great to see that kind of mental strength and going back to you know talking I know it was last week and talking about our Irish players getting the psychological help they need I think you know when you listen to, to Stuart Lancaster and, and, and the amount of work he puts into leadership and, and understanding yourself and being resilient I mean you know he's not a sports psychologist in there but um, you can be sure that he's having an influence in in all those players and their ability to bounce back and ability to said be consistent and perform um, and there's no performance anxiety like going to Northampton was a was a game a potential banana skin for Leinster but they didn't they, they just dealt with it like so comfortably and and again it's 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 not just the glamour stuff uh, that clip that uh, Charlie uh, Morgan put up of Healy and and um, Porter tracking back I mean that's so impressive like the their their effort to go back and defend was you know we know what what Bodum can do scrum time we know what Bodum can do with the ball in hand but that's the kind of stuff that you don't pick up firsthand but like when you're the opposition you go oh we make a line break here you know we're going to have them under the pump and next thing they've got a full line back and, and they're set they're not offside they don't give away a penalty and they just snuff it out and that's um, that wouldn't happen in the premiership that wouldn't happen in a lot of pro 14 games that wouldn't happen in the top 14 uh, but to beat the best in the competition that's what you're up against and that's that's unusual and because it's unusual when you when you face it you find it hard to break it down and you, and you start to second guess yourself so as I said Northampton should be better this week but can you fix all those weaknesses or, or areas of can you catch up those areas of dominance in a week probably not but again it's a huge it's going to be a huge sign of where Northampton are at in terms of their their, I suppose their mental toughness the, their team ethic how they come to the Viva because if they come over and roll over you know it's going to be worrying for them you know later on in the year when it comes to knockout stuff the Devon Toner one's really interesting I think just in terms of Ireland as well we've been talking plenty about the national team only seven weeks to go to the Six Nations now. <laughs> yeah it's not long off and, and you wonder how if he's going to be back in the mix under obviously a new head coach he's 33 years old so he's probably not one for the future but playing some some super stuff and again reference that rugby pod interview he said I'm not finished with Ireland he, he wants more of it so in terms of the form he's in you'd have to have him in there but you got to think how is Farrell going to approach this is it a longer term view I mean if Johnny Sexton's your captain at this stage maybe it's not maybe it's about doing the best job you can that first six nations getting a solid ground to build off taking a bit of the scrutiny and intense pressure off and at the moment the way Devon Tone is playing like you said it there he's athletic he's dynamic he's carrying he's hitting lads hard there's a lot of venom in it and he just looks like he's got rid of all those little bits of niggle he had at the end of last season and is really enjoying it as well first and foremost as all the Leinster players are it's great to see them guys who were very uptight and, and tense only months ago playing with a smile on their face even when they make errors they're responding in positive ways rather than compounding it like they did probably in the World Cup too often so positive signs for Dev Toner and, and many other guys Right lads it's time to put reputations on the line again that time of the week uh, I think he's came out <laughs> with a time of the week predicted a 3-1 Irish provinces outcome last week and got that exactly right just the wrong teams involved <laughs> Queen's Ulster 7.45 on Friday night I think Ulster will win yeah Ulster uh, Connacht Gloucester 12.45 on Saturday afternoon yeah I think Gloucester will send weekend so Connacht, yeah, Connacht, Connacht will win that yeah. 
bounce back. Good stuff. I think Saracens are, before you say it, I think Saracens yeah. are going to beat Munster. And they'll be 3-1 again. Yeah. Yeah, and then Sir Beater have them. Yeah, 3-1 again. 3-1 We'll again. probably get the wrong order. <laughs> Some surprise in Europe, but... Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us, Bernard. No worries. Thanks again, Murray. Cheers, Enjoy Sean. your travels. Thank you. That's it for uh, 42 Rugby Weekly. We'll be back on Monday with 42 Rugby Weekly Extra. I'm Sean Farrell. Take her handy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> it is coming out! Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Then the first pass. When the room is spinning and the words aren't sticking